Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. And I'm Chris. And we are here to talk about 2016's La La Land in our Hollywood series. I'm pretty psyched about this. I don't know how you guys feel. La 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 la. <laughs> I feel like singing and dancing. That's perfect. Jesse, do you get your, your tap shoes on? Oh, yeah. All four of them. <laughs> I thought I was the one that had the multiple ligaments. Why do you have all of a sudden more? I didn't say I wore them all on my feet. I mean, there's my hands. There's other things. <laughs> <laughs> At least you went with even number. It's true. And also, don't elaborate. Thank you. But here we're talking about, of course, the uh, Best Picture nominated uh, La La Land from 2016. There was about, uh, I don't know, maybe two minutes where this was the Best Picture winner from 2016. Wild. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's this. Yeah. That's this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this this one was uh, mistakenly uh, read out as the winner of Best Picture. Everyone streamed onto the stage at the Oscars. It was a a wild conclusion. Steve and then, Harvey moment, if you will. It was. Yeah, and then of course, then it was like, oh no, wait, I misread it, or I was given the wrong envelope, or something. But it's definitely Moonlight. Everyone, please leave the stage. Disastrous. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this one at least is notable in Oscars history and yeah. pop history for that. And it was assumed to be the winner, right? That was part of the issue. The The co-host looked over and just said, stop playing around. It's La La Land. And they came up. And kind of one of the things we're going to talk about is the Academy likes movies about itself. It likes movies about Hollywood, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. part of the reason movies. why the assumption. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's funny, too, because it, this movie was uh, nominated for in the teens number at the British Film Academy Awards as well. Oh, interesting. Really? Yes, yeah, it was it was universally universally acclaimed. Uh, but this is this movie received a record tying 14 Academy Award nominations. It is only one of 3 movies to have ever received this number and it's tied with All About Eve and Titanic. Mm. So that gives you kind of the, this idea of this this monolith that came in and kind of shook this world up. Um but this movie comes from us. It's the uh, second feature from, well, second official feature from writer-director Damien Chazelle. Uh, sole credits for both. Um, he is the youngest uh, director to have won the Golden Globe and the Academy Award for Best Director at 32 years old. Wild. I think the exact age is 32 years, four months, and 30-something days, which is kind of amazing. I'm not going to fact check. <laughs> <laughs> but it only won six out of its 14. A pretty good multiplier, but still. Uh, it won Best Actress for Emma Stone. It won Cinematography, Production Design, Best Music for Justin Hurwitz, Best Original Song, City of Stars, and Best Director for Damien Chazelle. Uh, this one stars uh, Ryan Gosling at kind of this, this moment where he had transcended from being uh, a pop idol from The Notebook into achieving real success, not in the indie scene. You know what I mean? Like he's been in uh, Drive. He was in a lot of really strange indie films that really seemed to buck his like, sex symbol persona. And then this was one where it showed he had respect on a big level. Mm -hmm. Also, Emma Stone, this is a surprising win for her. I mean, she, this is the girl who got her start in super bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's wow. A, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's a real, it, I wouldn't even say it's a flex necessarily because this seems like the sort of thing you would go do. She has such a light, effervescent presence that moving directly from comedy to musical kind of makes sense. And I wonder how, like, I always am interested by the casting decisions. Did they go from Ryan Gosling and then thought, crazy, stupid love. There's some chemistry there. Let's go with Emma Stone. Or was it just a happenstance? I don't know. 
this is, I think, is this the third time? This is the this is the second time, and then they work together for a third time with Gangster Squad, or is mm. the Gangster Squad previous to this? I don't remember. Mm. No one remembers Gangster Squad anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other people I wanted to shout out though that is in this cast is uh, Rosemary DeWitt. She's the titular character from Rachel Getting Married, which is an excellent movie, and I would push anyone to see that. She's incredible in it, and when you see that, you kind of go maybe. Maybe she got done a little dirty by Hollywood. Maybe she mm. actually had something here that wasn't just playing a side character. Mm. Um, but she's here playing uh, Ryan Gosling's sister. Um, then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, our personal favorite in any movie he's in, J.K. Simmons. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> not, I, not my tempo. Not my tempo. <laughs> <laughs> you were rushing a little bit. You were rushing, Jesse, I have to say. I love him. would you go and be fired by him at the piano bar like just play the wrong songs just to get fired that means i got to work for him then yes (laughs) (laughs) so that that was perfect that that was a that was great so we love jk simmons we love everything he's in if he's in it we love it almost de facto if there's a casting announcement that i see across my twitter feed as i sit in the toilet in the morning and it says jk simmons my day's good i'm having a good day yeah, he makes Spider-Man. He makes the second Spider-Man Homecoming or Far From Home or whatever. And then he makes Damon Chevelle's previous movie, Whiplash. And now he, oh, when he comes on screen, he has like the funniest lines with the, like, you're fired. And he's like, it's Christmas. It's like, I know, I see the decorations. Get out of here. <laughs> good luck in the new year. Yeah. yeah good luck <laughs> in the new year. <laughs> so great. So good. And then I also wanted to point out uh, another minor actress who's in this who plays one of um, Emma Stone's roommates is Jessica Roth, I think is how you say her name. Um, She's actually kind of like pretty cool now because she's in Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You, which I think are like really successful, amazing sci-fi horror movies. And out of everyone in this cast that was kind of buried down, I think that she's the one that's gotten the most chances. And I, I think that's pretty cool. She's then, no longer just someone in the crowd. No, she actually was picked out. It's like, do you want to be in my weird little horror movie? <laughs> That's really fun. Uh, and then a uh, final one I do want to shout out is obviously we have John, John Legend here. Uh, but he is in my research form. I found out he is the first African-American man to be an EGOT. There, wow. Wow. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. There are only 16 EGOTs. I'm going to yeah. read a couple of them here. We have okay. Richard Rogers. I'm guessing from Rogers and Hammerstein. Um, we have Audrey Hepburn. There is Mel Brooks, because that makes sense. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> of course. Uh, Mike Nichols, uh, famous director of The Graduate. Whoopi Goldberg, Scott Rudin, famous producer. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice, and Alan Menken. This... Um, you forgot Tracy Jordan? Yeah, that's <laughs> Tracy yeah. Jordan yeah. is missing that's from like your list. Here. Yeah, he's actually the first. He's actually he's the first true. African American. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Was it, wait, was it for uh, the, the his, his Werewolf Halloween song? Is that what he won Werewolf for? Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Werewolf please. Bar Mitzvah. Be <laughs> <laughs> scary. Always becoming men. And becoming wolves. <laughs> Man, I really hope there's like real 30 Rock fans out there. Otherwise, everyone's going to be like, what, what are you what talking is- about? This is gibberish. Uh, that's kind of all I had for, for that. What, what do you think, Jesse? I was going to say the only reason I even know what an EGOT is is because I've watched 30 Rock and Tracy Jordan or Tracy Morgan trying to get one in the show. It's so great. It's a great little subplot for a few episodes. Yeah, I, I always appreciated it. But with this movie here that we're looking at right now, La La Land, I've given you some idea of the pedigree and the people behind this. 
what are your first impressions of this movie? Yeah. My, my first impression is that as a lot of us live in Southern California, it really does capture the vibe of living in the LA area from the traffic to the difficulty with parking. <laughs> parking is a real <laughs> issue or towing. Yes. I, I, I feel like I'm just asking for it. I've never been towed, but now knock on wood, it's about to happen. It's gonna happen. Um, I'm sorry. There's no wood near you. <laughs> yeah. But I, it, it really is just such an enjoyable movie in the style of, musicals of old uh, something that i'm sure we're going to talk about as as we go forward it just puts a smile on my face when i first rented it uh to do the prep for this this podcast i watched it twice in 24 hours uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> partially to maximize the value of the four dollar rental you're a frugal man <laughs> i'm a frugal man um and but partially because i watched it without my wife the first night and then i was like you have to see this and it just puts a smile on my face you don't want to pick up anything or be on your phone when you're watching this movie that from number dance number to dance number, it just, it just left me, left me wanting more. And so I was happy for it being, being done. So that's first impression. Just, it's a vibe, man. Say those words to try to sound cool. Cause I'm getting old. It works. It works. <laughs> no one would know that you were that old. Man. <laughs> Chris is 45. Yeah. Who would have known? <laughs> and not a gray hair. <laughs> I know you're, you're relying a lot on those supermarket uh, hair coloring. Oh, I, just I, for I, men. I call you out here. Just for men. Just for men. I'm not I, getting sponsored. It just works. I use I use the one for women. It's a deeper, deeper color. <laughs> they put more thought into that product. There's so much sheen. <laughs> Thank you. Also a Sharpie. Uh, turning to Mike here. Yeah. Your first impressions. Like, when did you first see this? Where did you come at this from? Yeah, I actually just watched it for the first time last <laughs> night. Um, somehow. So I, I, uh, I will watch a lot of movies for a time and then I'll not watch anything. I'll just like completely avoid any conversations, any articles, anything that has to do with movies that I want to see. And so for four years now, I have um, avoided anything having to do with La La Land um, because I like to come into it totally fresh. And I was pretty successful. I'm actually really impressed and proud of myself because I I really didn't know very much about this movie other than people were dancing. I would love to to first. I would love to do two things. I'd love to give an award for uh, most dedicated. I would like to give this award to Mike for being the most dedicated to watching this. Uh, finally, after avoiding <laughs> everything about it for four years, instead of just watching it, so that takes a lot of dedication. You know, I just I just uh, I, I'm a dedicated man. And then number two, I would like to give an award for procrastination, which I will put off giving to you until a later date. Hey, I'm fine with that. I'll put off the acceptance as well. Um, no, but it, it was just, it was a pleasure to watch. Um, my my wife and I both grew up on, you know, like many people, we grew up on, you know, Hollywood song and dance movies like uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, yeah. Danny Kaye, Bing Crosby, all the stuff that they did. And it was so much fun. And there's not been a movie made like that in a long, long time. Um, and this is definitely, obviously, a, an, an ode to to those old movies. And it's just so much fun to see these actors that we're really familiar with um, doing doing what they're doing. And it's just such a pleasant movie, yeah. such, a, such a joyful movie, um, while also, you know, touching on some, some pretty heavy topics, I guess, yeah. or... Yeah, or some not not heavy um, human human. Yeah, it's very it's a very human movie. It's a lot deeper than like I don't know, White Christmas or Singing in the Rain. Yeah, for sure. 
That's yeah. Such a good, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into the singing in the rain. Oh yeah. Compare contrast. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's, it's there and yet sure. so different. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think, Jesse? Where, where'd you come at this from? I first came to this movie probably like four years ago. It was after it came out in theaters and I, I saw it on DVD when it came out and yeah, it, it's also reminded me of singing in the rain because that's like the classic Hollywood musical that I think of now, when I think of old Hollywood, I think of singing in the rain and it brought back all of old Hollywood. It's, it's this weird blend of old Hollywood meets new Hollywood in a very striking, really cool way. Um, and it, it was very enjoyable. I was loving everything I was seeing on screen. And then this idea of uh, the relationship that they have, I was watching it with my then fiance at the time, now wife, and then her friend. And I, I think we got all pretty contentious about it. Yeah, we were, I think we stayed up for hours just arguing about their relationship <laughs> and who was right, who was wrong. Not that that mattered, but we did that anyway. Uh, what the movie was saying about that. And to this day, I had thought that my wife hates the movie. It's not even until just a couple hours ago, I found out she actually loves it. It's just that we stayed up so long arguing that I just assumed she hated it. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie. I love everything about it. I love it from start to finish. I think it's a beautiful, glorious mess that's beautifully choreogra choreographed and purposely a mess. And I love it. Wow. Wow. It's uh, in typical Jesse fashion. It is uh, a 90% gush. And 10% like backhand. <laughs> it's gorgeous what you made. It's a mess. It's gorgeous. <laughs> but they basically say that in the movie. He says that about jazz. And this movie is jazz. It's people. It's what is like conflict and resolution. And she says everything's a beautiful mess in it. And this is a mess. And it's purposely that. And that's beautiful. Very nice. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of a really I like the jazz comparison because for and especially with going like what you're saying, Mike, about singing in the rain, how it's something a little bit more complex than that. Like those movies are a little bit feel good to make you happy, which is the way that Mia's is talking about jazz. It's the stuff that's in the background. It makes you feel like relaxed and everything. And he's like, no, somebody shot somebody because they <laughs> said they played a wrong note. This is not relaxing. This is exciting. This is very exciting. <laughs> it's very, the, the way that he like it's, freaks out and then has to sit back down is how I, I usually feel when discussing these movies. <laughs> I, I instantly thought of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm sure looks notwithstanding. You can compliment my looks now. It's fine. Um, you weren't in that movie. <laughs> uh, I, I came to this movie. Uh, I did see it, I think opening night um, in a theater pretty close to here. I was, I was less than a year married. It's funny. I, because I'd seen the previous Best Picture winner in the same theater on almost the same weekend. The the, the year that won prior was Birdman. That was and just I, the year before? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I, I'd seen that with my then fiance. And then we had gotten married a few months later. And it was funny that we were back at the same theater seeing the same movie that for about 15 seconds was also the Best Picture winner. <laughs> but... <laughs> When we do Birdman, I'll have to tell you the story about when we went to see Birdman, because that's that's a really fun one. But this one, this movie really hit me in a in a pretty deep way. I remember being very challenged by the ending scene. Uh, I remember at the time, and I still do, I, I everyone fosters dreams that are a little bit beyond their station. That's why this movie is so universal and so easy to love. But for me specifically, that dynamic 
uh, that dichotomy that's set up by the two main characters between, um, you know, in a, in some very reductionist, simplistic way between being happy and being remembered, kind of achieving your dreams or, or settling down with someone you love uh, was really on my mind at the time. And this movie really brought that out. It was a big catalyst uh, for a, a big conversation that my wife had for for a few months going forward. This one was uh, was pretty was kind of a touchstone for us in our relationship. And I'll always remember it for that. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that as, as we continue the episode. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of impressions, I, I love this movie. I've loved it since the first time I've seen it. And I've seen it. It should come as no surprise to anyone that listens to our show. Uh, I've seen it a lot of times. <laughs> I, I, I am a dedicated rewatcher. Mm-hmm. And this is a big rewatch for me. More than seven or less than seven? Less than seven, more than three. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, I'm at like three. three. You're at three. Nice. <laughs> I treat I treat rewatching as as something of a of a passive exercise. That's yeah. why I can get through so many movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think going forward from here, I think we've all said what we want to say, and I think the next question that we should ask, and I'd like to turn it back to Chris if he wants it, is: uh, Would you show this to your kids? Mm-hmm. When and why? It's a great question. You can take a pass if you like. No. I'll talk about it partially because I was rewatching a whole bunch of scenes. I got home from the office today and, and then I was just going through like what the 11 scenes that Fandango YouTube has just to like get it fresh in my mind. So my kids were there dancing along to it. (laughs) They've, they've seen a lot of the musical numbers in the movie and obviously my, my kids and all of our kids are still pretty young. Um, My daughter is three, three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half. I should know this. Uh, About but, the same age as my daughter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I I think my first impression of of watching it actually in that in that fantastic opening scene, my daughter actually came out of her room and she's like, "What is going on? This is this is amazing. This sounds really fun." I'm like, "No, no, no, no!" Like, I'm not <laughs> quite sure what's going on. Yeah, you need to go back to sleep. It is way past your bedtime. Uh, but I think I think that I would. And a lot of the a lot of the beauty of of the dance numbers is is that that fluff, that real glitz and glam kind of stuff that comes with a movie about Hollywood that is really just easily digestible, easily accessible. And then there are the layers of the relationship and what that those final scenes and the choices that are made, because it's the sort of thing that gets really heavy, really fast with, with how complex the cross section between their, their dreams and their goals and the relationship and what is the true nature of how they are. They're aiming for the stars, so to speak, how those, those things really start being ratcheted up. So I I feel like there are two levels, just the, the pure enjoyment that is like you're saying, Mike, that just that pleasure of watching this movie. And then the deeper relationship level, like any good piece of literature, there's always more when you're, the more you watch it, the more you look at it, the deeper that you can go. And so I think that it's the sort of movie that would be just fun to have on and watch for a family movie night where you're just mom and dad have something that they can talk about. And then the kids have something that's, you know, makes them want to dance around the living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it bears rewatching going forward from there as they mm-hmm. get older. Nice. When, when would, is the first age that you think you would introduce this? Like it doesn't even have to be in its entirety because yeah. that, that fight is, is rough in the middle. I mean, yeah. But, yeah. but in its entirety, like when, when would you just let it play? Like you're saying in a family movie night, when would you think? I would almost say, this is again, not being 
an experienced father. I would say five. Nice. I would say that I'd be okay with letting my daughter watch it at five and talking to her pretty carefully about that, that fight scene, but pointing out certain things about how like, look, he's not looking at her. Like that's, there's really something else going on here. He's looking down the whole time. Like, what, what is that? What do you think about that? Um, and she probably would just say, daddy, be quiet. I, mean, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want to watch. But it, I feel like you can passively get some of the, the physical cues that are leading you to think more deeply about human relationships, mm-hmm. um, even before you can actually even vocalize it. Yeah. So I would be comfortable with that, but I'm not, I'm not wedded to it. What do you guys, what do you guys think? I'm going to jump in actually after you, because I I really, I agree with a lot of what you said. My daughter has seen this almost in its entirety. She, she kind of left, but not, not for any reason. I think it was nap time or something. Um, (laughs) And one of the times I've I've rewatched this, even independently of the podcast, she left before that fight. And when she came back for the end and she was, she's riveted to this movie. She likes it. Mm -hmm. She requests the music to be played uh, when she's coloring. Um, She has a relationship to this movie already. And I would agree with you. Like this one, even though it is rated PG 13, mm-hmm. we all know that ratings are really arbitrary, yeah. but even though it's given that rating, I would be very comfortable showing this at a younger age just so that we can begin that conversation about relationships yeah. and how thorny they can be. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. And I, I would, I would agree probably around the same age. Um, right now, my daughter just saw the planetarium scene and she was like, Cool, flying, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> She's right. My, my daughter requests to listen to Wah Wah Wan. Wah Wah Wan. I love that. Um, but what, what do you think, Jesse? Oh, man. I'm really torn. I'm really torn between what you guys are saying and just letting them watch it when they're really young, like three or five, and just let them enjoy the spectacle. Because like Chris was saying, this is this is basically – one part spectacle, one part like deep dive into a crazy relationship uh, that these people are having. And the spectacle part, I think, can be enjoyed at any age. Yeah, yeah, I think I can say that safely. It can be enjoyed at any age. It's so fun. It's so engaging. It's so, I, I think the best word for it is like electrifying. Oh, my God. It, it's amazing watching it. I feel so pumped up. And I just want to like shout to the heavens and joy. And that is something any age can appreciate. But. But the relationship is so, oh, it's so tense and so hard to understand even like as an adult. I still don't understand it. And I can't wait to talk about that, to be honest. Yeah. But like, I, I almost think that maybe they need to be older to truly appreciate that. So on one hand, I think they could appreciate it when they're five or three. But on the other hand, I kind of want to like save that experience, the whole experience package of this movie for them to experience when they're older where they can finally understand all of it like with fresh eyes not with not with this understanding that like oh this is a great movie to watch because of all the fun dance numbers and i i would love to sit them down when they're like 16 like an older teenager and just sit down and talk about the ideas in this movie i yeah i'm completely torn to be honest i don't know which age i i think I think I'd be fine turning this on in the background with them running around and not fully paying attention to the movie and then fully sitting them down for a movie night when they're an older teenager. I think that's my answer. It's a good I answer. Will, I almost wonder if you could like break it in half. Like the mm. for those first 45 minutes to an hour tells a story of a 
in some completion with the completion being, you know, a fun, romantic, joyful summer. Yeah. And then you go further, you take that next step. Yeah. So that is like a lot of the fun dance numbers are in the, that first, that first that, 45 That's actually how I just and... watched it with my dad. Nice. Was, nice. was in that way because we watch it up until when it was getting kind of serious yeah. and I needed to focus more. Yeah. And then I took a break. We went and did something else. Yeah. And then when she went to sleep, I came back and finished it. Nice. That's, that's exactly how I did yeah, it. Yeah. But it wasn't even conscious. I was more just like, like, ah, you're a little young. Yeah. Like, I'm glad you yeah. like that. And all the music that she likes too is yeah. also from pretty much that beginning part. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And listening to the soundtrack, it's very clearly like, oh, they, you're playing it in your mind, like what's going on and like what has happened since the last number. And yeah, it really is. As you get to that last Sebastian and Mia's theme, it's really, a lot has happened since then. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Mike? I kind of feel the same way as Jesse. I'm I'm torn. Um, and and I guess what you guys are saying definitely resonates. The first hour of the movie is is a lot lighter. It's falling in love, right? Like they don't see the issues with the relationship at spring all. Spring and yet. summer. Spring and summer. <laughs> but then, like I'm just thinking about when we get to her audition and just like her. I mean, such an incredible scene, but the way that she just brings all of the emotion to it, uh, she's, you know, gone through this really difficult, like, like all sorts of difficult stuff, like, uh, including, you know, people not uh, appreciating the art that she did, which is like, dude, if, if my kids experience that right now, that would be, you know, that would be tough. That would be really rough for them to experience for themselves, at least. I don't know how they feel about seeing it happen to somebody else. Like it could go either way, but it gets, yeah, it gets, it gets really heavy and that's a lot to show to, I don't know, to a four-year-old yeah. or two-year-old. We said five and a half, Mike. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, six months and 31 days. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about my kids right now. Like in a lot of ways, I'm okay. just like, oh, you know, I would love to turn this on. Like this is a movie that like, I don't see anything in it that's like explicitly wrong or like there's nothing explicit really in it. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, And so it's not like, oh, I can't show this to them because there's this obvious reason, like there's, you know, bloodshed or whatever. I mean, there's, Uh, there's the one decapitation. Yeah. But I think one they can handle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've already experienced. Did it matter that it was one, one swing and two heads that fell off? No. And it also didn't matter that they fell onto the, the, the pile of bodies. They were already there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're right. It's not actually within the movie. It was just, it it was like, it could have just been there. They just stumbled (laughs) upon it in the woods. (laughs) All right, so so I think we have a nice a oh, nice split right. of opinion. Like, yeah, I know they're singing and dancing on corpses. <laughs> I would watch that movie. I know you would. Evil, Evil Dead the musical. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> All right, come on. I'm also I'm also there for Evil Dead the musical. You you had my number and I didn't want to admit it. Um, I think here. Okay, so um, I just finished watching La La Land with my wife, and she was kind of insulted that we hadn't asked her onto the podcast <laughs> because <laughs> really sorry, Liz, <laughs> because remember how I said it was really contentious when I first watched it. So I had always thought that Liz hated it until, well, a couple hours ago uh, when I found out she, she loves it. And um, so she asked me, uh, who do we have on the podcast? I was like, well, you know, it's going to be me, Mike, Vito and Chris. 
and then she's like, you're going to have four dudes talking about La La Land? <laughs> Proudly. <laughs> so I thought it'd be a cool idea to have Liz on the podcast for just a little bit to talk a little bit more about their relationship because there's something, Liz, that you wanted to say about it. And I really want to hear your thoughts about it. You're making this sound so intentional. Yes, um, it is. It is very intentional. I mean, I, what we were talking about before, I, I was thinking about two different things that really strike me about this movie. So I'll start with the concept of soulmates. Ooh. I don't believe at all in soulmates. And I Agreed. say this with my husband on the podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he just fell over in distress. <laughs> News to Jesse. I'm with you, Liz. I'm CPR! With you. Do CPR! <laughs> Jesse's dying! I don't know! I don't know. <laughs> Broken heart! Confirmed cause of death. <laughs> 902 PM. Soulmates uh, were real. Proven by Jesse's death. <laughs> this is moving on, you troglodytes. <laughs> so I believe a lot more in the idea of finding a good person and them kind of becoming perfect for you over time. And that your relationship is what you put into it in so many ways. Um, so as far as this movie goes, I really believe that Emma Stone's character, who's I'm blanking on her name right now. Mia. 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 Mia and Sebastian could have been really, really happy together but in a very different way than she's happy with the man that she ends up marrying. So that's one of the things that I love about this movie is it kind of gets at the concept of there could be more than one person that you could be happy with. Um, and it kind of comes down to the choice that you make at like a crucial time in your life. And then the second thing that I really love about this movie um, is the last scene where, you know, they walk into the um, Seb's jazz club Five years later and you know she kind of in her mind imagines what it would have been like if she and Sebastian had stayed together and I think it gets at the human tendency to imagine alternate lives and think that you would have been perfectly happy if you had made a different choice so with the last scene you know there's that montage of what their life could have been like and they look so happy, like way happier than she and her husband look. And it's almost unrealistically happy. I mean, nobody's that happy every single day of their lives. Come on. And the other weird thing about it is that their lives still follow the same trajectory um, as what happened with the person that she actually chose in like the reality timeline. So I think what Mia has really wrong here. Um, is the assumption that you can be perfectly endlessly happy with one person if you just find that right person. And also that her life would have gone in the same direction no matter who she had chosen. When in reality, in my opinion, the person you choose completely alters every aspect of your life. Yeah. So I, I just, those are two things that have always really stood out about that movie to me. Uh, I've seen it three times now and so that's kind of what we were talking about. Okay. Okay. I just want to comment on this for a second. You remember when I said 
All right, this actually goes along with something uh, that you said uh, very well, I think. You know how you said that um, your life is, what, it, it's it's not going to have the same trajectory um, depending on the same on the person that you're going to be with. And it's funny because when we first watched this movie, it was very contentious when we talked about it afterwards. And the same time, and uh, with the second time we watched the movie, it's the same thing. And now with the third one, I can't help but agree with you completely. So somehow, (laughs) somehow us being together, we have like made this weird trajectory where we are just like completely melded in opinion to the point where I can't argue with you at all because you're right. Aww. Wow. That's really Jesse, I'm gonna I'm so glad that this is recorded. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've always wanted. (laughs) <laughs> every, every argument let's just, just gonna cut that part out and play it on a loop in every argument yes. that you guys have from now on it's it's awesome way to go i, I actually yeah. <laughs> actually I actually rhymed a little bit with that because i i remember fighting with my wife uh about this movie I, I, maybe fighting is wrong disagreeing Discussing. with uh, intensely yeah. uh, <laughs> but disagreeing <laughs> about who was right and who was wrong in the relationship and it's funny now that I've seen this several times, I've taken a break for a couple of years and I've come back. And now that I've watched it again, you know, with my daughter and with my wife and we listen to the music in the house, I watch it now. And I think, how did I ever think that Sebastian was right? Hmm. You know, hmm. how did I ever think that he, he was, I should be sympathetic all the time towards him. He has his points, of course, but watching Mia and watching like how hard she's really trying to make this happen Mm -hmm. and, and, and just kind of stopping though, especially in that, in that fight scene, Liz, when he says, well, you can just come on tour with us. And she says, well, I have to rehearse. He goes, well, you can rehearse anywhere. She goes, well, I have all the stuff here and like, I, I can't, I can't, I wish I could go with you. And she says that she's very clear in saying that, like, I wish I could be with you in the way that you're requesting, but I cannot. Can we work through that? And then there's this like explosion and there's this like uh, unmet expectations from from his side. You know, he, he's really like built up this image of Mia in his head as not being the same person that's in front of him. And that that was really striking to me about this is that she is the one that kind of wants to make this happen and is willing to do everything reasonable. And he's the one that's that doesn't want to be faced with the stuff that he said, right? She's saying, like, you didn't want to do that club. You didn't want to do this thing. You didn't want to work with that guy. Like, you didn't want to play this music. He's like, well, I am, and I'm going to. And why aren't you on board with that, by the way? I know we haven't talked about it, but you should be cool yeah. with it. Yeah, it's that it's that making the decision because of the overheard conversation with, with her mother, right? Like, yes. I want to be that provider, which is the thing that he ultimately, the, the choice has been made at the end. She's with a provider in her husband in the same way that she was with that boyfriend from before. They're kind of in that same archetype. And it's it seemed to me to be the the contrast between the comfortable taken care of and then this this flaming romantic, so to speak. Mm. I don't know if that's if that's a totally fair comparison, but that's how it struck me. What what, what do you what do you think, Mike, in terms of the relationship, in terms yeah. of what Liz said, like what would you have anything to respond with? Yeah, Liz, I thought um, I thought what you said was really good. One of the things that I'm I'm kind of interested in and, and maybe disagree with you about is uh, maybe the character characterization of the way Emma Stone is looking at like that possible life that she would have had with um, with Ryan Gosling, um, because 
I, I don't know, like, I don't think that she's really thinking that that's actually how it would be. Um, what it is, is like her being like, oh man, what if, you know, it's that what if question that she fully acknowledges is, is a false thing. Um, it seems, yeah, really clearly like a whitewashed grasses greener sort of thing, because yeah. even when I was talking about it with my wife, I was confused at the the point of departure, the jumping point where everything started being perfect, how it mm-hmm. could have been, because they they had a really good thing going at when the relationship after the relationship actually started. But for her, it was that when he gets fired and then comes to her and she is going to pay her respects or say, wow, your music really moved me. And instead of being Kurt um, or <laughs> being an asshole, as yeah, he, says, yeah. <laughs> he, he acknowledges her and kisses her. And it's that romantic part. And that was really confusing to me because it, that did not seem like what had been wrong with their relationship. Right. I, I had a question about no. this. So, so no, we're all, we're all no, talking it, about this. No, would... no, I, I have a real, just real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, everyone. So, so it starts with Ryan Gosling playing and it zooms in on Emma Stone, and then it has this this dream sequence that happens, right? This surreal thing. Uh, the first time I watched it, which is the way that I I, I kept with it, is I actually I kind of thought that that was a shared oh, experience dream. kind of thing. Yeah, like it was both of them in a way. I didn't yeah, think that it was so divorced from okay. Emma Stone's character. I mean, it's so divorced from Ryan Gosling's character. Yeah. I thought that he was almost complicit in that dream. Based on how, based on his yeah. face at the end of that scene, that seems totally right. Yeah, okay, yeah, for yeah, sure. it's both. It's both. Okay. Um. How, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So. Sorry. Yeah. Now. Now that I'm there. Okay. But. But. I, okay. You had asked of Liz, and then. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Um. I guess ju- that's just to say. Um. Maybe I'm being nitpicky because everything else that you said, I. I think I totally agree with. But. Um. I. I guess I just didn't see your criticism of the Emma Stone's character is like being like, Oh, you know, the world would have been perfect if I'd been with Ryan Gosling. It's more like, um, this is what, this is the best possible outcome of this relationship, which wasn't what happened. And she gets up and leaves and they kind of look across the room at each other again, closing, closing the relationship completely. And they're like, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful song while it lasted and now it's over. And then they leave. And that, that's kind of, I wasn't um, sure that was what you were saying. Is that what you were saying? I'm not sure if it was a criticism of Emma Stone's character as much as I I almost see it as like the movie pointing out that people have a tendency to do that. Hmm. Oh, okay. um, and they showed it through her character. Um, like the tendency to just like put yourself in another timeline that you could have chosen and think, Oh, like, especially if you're in like a really low place, not that she was at that time, but you know, think like, Oh, if I had just, you know, chosen this other person or whatever, you know, life could be perfect. Um, and I think that's a really human thing to do. Yeah. yeah so that's, I think okay. that was, well, sort of and, and also it's, it's not just Mia's character. It's Ryan Gosling's character to Seb. Um, in fact, Fun little Easter egg about this movie when they're first walking through the studio and they're walking by a studio production. Um, you can see people stagehands setting up a scene in the background and what they're setting up for is for that final dance number for that final song. They're putting up bushes and stuff. And then there's a scene where it's just Mia and Seb staring into that studio, both looking at that set being created. Um, and 
And I, I think that's a, a brilliant way of showing that like, they're both, it's like a brilliant Easter egg of them both like looking into this, into this brilliant future. And when you first meet somebody, that's what you do. You imagine, at least for me, that's what I used to do. Uh, I used to imagine <laughs> <laughs> the perfect scenario, right? I used to imagine the perfect thing happening. And that's what they're doing at the end of the movie as well. It's, it's like, that's what was happening at the beginning. And that's what's happening at the end. So, okay, let, let, let's put it to kind of a question here. When we first saw this movie versus now, I know this is a different question for a couple people who have only seen it recently. <clears throat> is the person that you thought was quote unquote right at the beginning? Because in, in an argument, you usually want to have a winner. Someone is won the argument. At least we're, we're, we were trained to do that at school. It's not the same in relationships, but sometimes that carries what? over. What? In unfortunate ways. <laughs> Undefeated. Uh, <laughs> Undefeated. Divorced alone. <laughs> Wife's got the kids because I told her to. Um, but yeah, did that person change from the first time you saw it to this, this point now where we're talking about it? Uh, Liz, first. So the first time I saw this movie, I actually thought that Mia was right. Because I love her and Sebastian together. So I kind of went right along with like, oh, man, they should have just stayed together and they could have worked it out and mutually like went after their dreams and it would have been great. Um, And I just like completely fell victim to, I guess, her dreaming about it in the last scene. Jesse's making a really weird face at me right now. (laughs) I think that means that Jesse has to go next. Jesse, come on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What we always talk about. No. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. You seem to be overlooking a whole portion of the movie. Okay. We're talking about past Liz self here. Okay. So no, I'm not even now, for it now, even now, the way you're talking about it. Like, like, it's not that that she thinks the dreams like that they can stay together if they both pursue their dreams. Because, like, he actually tries to do that and then runs to her and then she gives up on her dream and then moves home, right? That's right after he's had this photo shoot and it's implied that he quits the music group right then. Because the next scene after that is him playing at the at the wedding. So, like, he actually thinks the same thing that Mia did at a certain point, which is we can be together. We can still both be together and pursue our dream. And then she rejects that and then moves back to Nevada where he has to come get her. And then they both come back to LA and then they both don't be together. It, it seems super mutual. I, at this point, I just see them both completely equally at blame for everything that happens. And also like, it seems like fate to some degree, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't have been happy together. Like when they're sitting in Griffith park and she says, Oh, in some ways, I'll always love you. I, I That was so striking to me because I think it just shows how well they fit together and how much they do love each other and how all these, like, in my mind, in some ways, really stupid things just got in the way of them being together. And that's always really bugged me about this movie. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I, I kind of felt, I mean, it was, it was more about timing. Yeah. And I guess that might yeah. speak to fate because, you know, if they'd, then five years in the future. Wait, what? wait, Mike. 
What? Was Mia not quite his tempo? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's pretty much it. Yep. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make the joke. Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> she wasn't quite his tempo. Not quite. Um, no, but... Um, oh, gosh. What was it? I'm so sorry <laughs> for this. Um, timing. Yeah, no, yeah. it was more about timing. I mean, I, I agree with Jesse. It, it doesn't seem to me that either of them are actually like in the right or in the wrong. Is that they both are kind of wrong and kind of right. Neither of them, they're both at this point where it's like, well, I would like to make it work if you give it two weeks like of me focusing on my thing, then we can make it work. And then neither of them does. Um, especially well, no, like Ryan Gosling. Specifically, Sebastian does it. Yeah, Sebastian <laughs> Sebastian like has the freaking photo shoot. Where a he a, comp- a like compromise was offered and a compromise was rejected. Yeah, I mean... I think that what I, I think that what could have made that conversation go a lot better is if like he had said like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, how for about, sure. It would it would have gone better in if two weeks better. after yeah. after you do this. And also if she had been like, okay, here's my plan now. Like you want me to, to be with you. I want to be with you. She, she after I do this play in, in two weeks, how about I come and join you on the road every once in a while. I feel like, I feel like well. she basically said that. It, I don't think so. I, I think it was pretty like, well, like there was this miscommunication because both of them put up these massive walls uh, because they were kind of, a, this relationship was attacking this thing that was so close and near and dear to their heart. Right. You were trying to break in Chris. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by that scene because it ends with these, the, the odd hominem attacks, the, the most cutting lines, the are you kidding that Mia's character says is just... It's a, it's a real question. It's a real question. And he doesn't even hesitate. He mm-hmm. says no. And that is kind of an, an indicative of maybe what their relationship would have been. And I, maybe I'm feeling this out myself because I'm... Maybe changing my opinion on it a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> truth. Truth is the goal. Um, but he, he, I was, I'd been thinking about it in the context of what does it mean to achieve their, their goals, their dreams? What is interesting is that Sebastian thought that he was, but he was kind of putting his dream on hold in order to be this, this provider get a steady gig something that his sister that he thought Mia was asking of him when really that scene is making apparent that he she really doesn't care about success or the steady job but you're doing this in order to get to the next goal to get to your end of being able to open chicken on a stick which is a terrible name sex (laughs) Um, and he's kind of confused because he feels like he's been making sacrifices for this relationship. And so is never making eye contact, looking down and being like, I'm confused and I'm kind of getting angry because I'm convincing myself into doing something that is kind of compromising everything that I've thought about. But refuses to admit it's a compromise. And is is refusing to admit, no, I, I like it. And what does that even matter? Like no one likes jazz. You're right. Then she says, I do like jazz. You made me like jazz. So at, at the at the end of that conversation, it just seems like it keeps escalating and and flaring, ending with that, are you kidding? No. And then everything catches on fire, specifically dinner. There's no, there's no <laughs> conversation that could come after that. No. Right? It's like, oh, okay, we're done. 
and they're and they don't instantly give up they sit there and they need space and she gets up and leaves and yeah and then he doesn't make it to her to her show and that was so interesting because i didn't realize i i that there's the intimation that he quits right then because he seems to make the decision to stay for the photo shoot um and then it, the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess that is the case. So he just gets so fed up with it and realizes what he's become, and to in a very overt sense, and then goes to her. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Jesse. All right. To me, I. All right. First off, uh, I see like two different arguments. Right. There's the dinner table scene, and then there's the scene where he runs to her at the car after after she's performed her play and the first scene and the dinner scene, I think he's clearly at fault. And the, the, and the more I watch that scene, the more I see the movie makes clear notes that he's wrong. Namely, like he insults her being an actress. Yeah. And right as he does that, there's this uh, recording that's playing. Right. And it stops. Suddenly the music in this movie stops dead in its tracks and you don't so really funny. hear another song till the end. And, of the movie. and if you remember, um, actually that's, that's like a theme on, that's a, uh, variation on their theme that's playing yeah and it mm-hmm. goes away yeah like you, the love is dead yeah he's caused it to stop because he insulted her dream of being an actress yeah i think yes. at least that's yeah. my interpretation of it i think you're right oh um, he says that it maybe you i just made you feel good about yourself because you're a failed actress that's yeah and that's just insult on top of injury. It's awful. Yeah, when in the same conversation, she was like so supportive of yeah. this jazz dream and yeah. everything. Even saying, "I like your music." Uh, it's yeah. yeah, she yeah. She, yeah. she defended his current job, which she knows that he hates, as if it was his dream. And then when his his hypocrisy is is revealed, she defends his original dream from himself because she knows that's what he really wants. Like she's going to bat for him so hard. But in the way that he can't accept without admitting that he's betrayed a core tenant of his own. Yeah. And he, he can't do that because he's a really proud dude. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. And he accepts that and he carries that into this photo shoot. And then in the photo shoot, he's being made to to act like he like something that he's not like do the lip thing, like bite, bite the bottom lip. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's told to look all moody and he's just not that. And he starts playing their song. And then after he does that, you see him running to her. So in my mind, when I first saw that, I thought he quit, he quit the band and you never see him with the band after that. So I still hold to that, that he quit the band when oh, yeah. he had that happen. Yeah. And then, and then he, and like, all he has to do, like their problem right now is the band is him being in the band and he runs to her and he says, what can I do to make it up to you? And instead of accepting that, instead of, instead of saying there, there is something that we can do to move forward. She just says it's over. She doesn't want to hear an explanation that he's left the band. You never even see them talk about that. Well, she, she, can't, she almost can't even trust him though. He, yeah. he, he betrayed his core principles, you know? How could she trust anything's going to come out of his mouth right now? He spoke against himself. And I, then she's basically doing the same thing in that moment when she betrays her, her like inner acting, right? Like she heard some people saying that she sucked, that she was terrible. And so she says, I'm done. I'm done with my life. I'm moving back home, home away from LA, away from this land of dreams. I'm going back. Yeah. I like my, the way that you put that, Jesse, uh, saying goodbye to the to the land of dreams because she's putting the pin in 
that dream that she's had and kind of tying that dream up with Sebastian as people who can help each other work towards a dream or nothing at all. And I think she's, she's not only mutually crushed by the fact that people talked shit about her play, but also because he wasn't there and yeah. the lights went up and he's gone. Yeah. And it's that twofold thing. It's not just that like she's faced adversity before. Like she went to an audition with coffee down her white blouse and just mm-hmm. wore a winter jacket. She's no stranger to adversity, but it's when she didn't get that support from the person who said he would. Yeah. That that's pretty pretty damning. Yeah. I I mean, I do just want to note though like Within that that argument, the dinner scene argument, like the underlying, and, and we've talked about, it, but the underlying sort of subtext for him is that he's giving up on this dream for her. Like he wants to, yeah. he wants to make enough money to support him and her, and so that like her her parents acknowledge him and and all of this stuff. Which he is never communicates that exactly. She never, yeah. she, and she also never yeah. asked him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He makes this assumption about her, which is is just like. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like I can understand that. Um, maybe, you know. Well, yeah. it's, it's kind of the thing in a relationships where you're, you are recognizing that the other person is changing who they are in order to be more generally acceptable or more specifically acceptable to the people that you are close to. Like, wow, you're not acting like yourself when you're around my family. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is that? <laughs> well, I, th- I think that a lot of the anger that he's bringing into that is the fact that she's not recognizing that. Um, and I mean, like, it's his fault that she's not recognizing it because he wasn't like, hey, I'm going to do this thing so that we can be together and do this. I, I hate your idea for my for my dream. Yeah. Sebs is not good as chicken on a stick, but yeah. I am going to go back and everything that I said to you yeah. and I'm going to do the opposite. And then when you bring it up, I'm going to be pissed at you. Yeah. Just so you know, that's coming in the future. (laughs) Yeah. So clearly like he is uh, still the same person who bumped into her when she said that he did a good job. He did a good job of playing at the bar. Like I feel seen by this role. I don't like this. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that that's something we can probably all like relate to is like, Oh, I'm making assumptions about, um, the relationship that I have with uh, the person who's close to me. And um, I should probably not do that and actually talk to them. I I think that that's kind of more the reason why they don't stick together is because they don't talk. I mean, she, she does a lot to support him, but um, she also doesn't see as well. Mm. Like she doesn't, she doesn't see and and put that together, Mm. which I think, you know, I think that's what like kills me about this story is it seems like you're seeing these two people in like a slightly more immature version of what was needed for them to actually work. And if they had just held on a little bit longer or if the timing had been different or if one little different, one little thing had been different, it could have worked. And that's what really bugs me about this. And I mean, like, I think that ultimately, like, we could, like, if we look at ourselves, like, five or ten years ago, it's so easy to imagine, like, one little thing changing and us not ending up with the person we're married to today or, you know, just, like, moving somewhere completely different. And I almost, I I feel like this movie kind of points out, like, everything that feels set in stone now because it's in the past 
was very much like not necessarily random, but like so close to not happening because like just anything could have happened to change it. And I, I just really feel like this movie points to that. But Bravo. still at That's the great. same yeah. time, yeah. she still ends up happy. It's just a different sort of happiness than it would have been with Sebastian. And that's so interesting to me. And he's, and he's happy in his way, right? He got what he wanted. Yeah. He got it. He got the club and he made the small concession to the heartbreak in his past with the title. And he he's here now. And he's so excited to be introducing those, those players on the stage. Like you see him, his hair is in his face. He's sweating. He's wearing the suit. He's, he's, he's overjoyed to be there. And when he sees her, there's no embarrassment. There's surprise. There's like, I don't know what to do. And then he kind of settles on what to do and sits down to play. And I I really love that because in times of adversity, his character always goes to play. Like that's, that's the thing he goes to. That's, that's his happy place. It's where he centers himself. And in this moment of intense emotional Mm. turmoil, it almost feels like he's been preparing for this Mm. and he was ready. And when he saw her, he was, the only question on his mind was, Oh, tonight. Okay. <laughs> so you're so you're looking at it as like the catharsis moment that that you're able to actually get closure on on how the dreams settled separate yet complete. Yeah. I think I think that's what I think so. Hmm. I think that's what I see in this is that they they got they got they got kind of what they wanted, right? She got to be an actress. He got to own his own club. Yeah. And the other things that happened were a little accidental to that. So, so here's, here's my last question, because it seems like we're getting pretty fleshed out the idea of their relationship in that last scene. Is it right to say that they are more or less on equal footing, which is to say, does Sebastian redeem himself with the drive to the house across the street from the library and, uh, and helping her actually go over the hump to achieve her dream? Liz? I think so. I think he was making up for missing her show. And that's w- what motivated him to drive all that way. That's one of my favorite scenes. Is like And to just, just remember that. To find her house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's and, and it's like, uh, of course I remembered it. It's the house across the street from the library. I love the it's guy so that good. comes out is yelling at him. And he's looking at the guy and he's almost like apologizing. He's like, look, I'm sorry. I have to keep, I have to keep honking. All right. Like, I, I I don't There's, a girl. Here. There's a girl. <laughs> she has an audition. I come from the land of dreams. This is what we do there. <laughs> yeah. And no. this is kind of what, like what makes me think of this as a dad movie too. He was going to stop at nothing to make sure that yeah. she accomplished her dream. He's just yelling. What? What? When she's giving these half baked excuses about why she's not going to go. <laughs> and so then good. she just keeps saying like, what if I'm not good enough? We're not good enough. And every single time he says, you are, you are, you are. Classic dad stuff. Yeah. Classic yeah. dad move. And then and it's, and it's the one F word in there when, when she's like, well, what if they don't like my play? I think this is a different conversation. He goes, fuck them. <laughs> there we go. PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Liz, uh, do you have any, any, any remarks that you would like to make? Make, sh- make them make sure they're on record, as, as you said earlier. <laughs> I think I've said all I wanted to say. Um, this movie really cuts me to the quick, and I'm not exactly sure why. It was beyond what I've said already. I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. Nice. nice. It's a stirring recommendation. 
Awesome. Uh, anyone else have anything before we move on from from this this beating, bleeding heart? I really think that the relationship was over when she said, uh, "Could I use your jacket? Uh, I, I have an audition next week to be a serious firefighter." I mean, he's just dead. He's, he's done after that. that like, was awesome. he <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's there's one thing that that I've been kind of like I knew thinking over. Um, I can see it on your face. <laughs> so I mean, with that final montage, I know I kind of felt a little confused by it and a little bit conflicted. I so like for for a couple of reasons. In the first place, I almost wish like I I like it, but I kind of wish that they had just played the song, and you would have gone through that in your head, like it could have been like a a, a five minute scene where it's just kind of going back between them. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's but that, that's, that's hot take. That, that's the old. That's one. The, no, but it's the old Hollywood of the movie. I you know. have to. I do know. It. I know you have to. This this isn't this isn't Curieta, dude. I, I know. <laughs> I, I know it's not. It's Damien Chazelle, and he's freaking awesome. Okay, but I, there's a part of me that's like, I kind of like it's okay to make the break. You could make a case. I would have been like, holy holy shit, like this is something, and it it still is. So I don't know. That's that's one thing. Do you think it's treating the viewer? in a more childish way, like just make to make sure we're going to connect those dots for you. Well, possibly, but I'm, I also think there might be something more and I'm wondering what you guys think about this, but it seems kind of going off of what, what Liz was saying, this idea of sort of romanticizing the possibilities of your past. And also the idea that like, it seems like your past is all set in stone and things are very clear about how they got this, this to, to where they are today. But in fact, you know, one one small change and, and it would have been completely different. Um, I kind of feel like it's also a comment of like happiness is available to you kind of at all points in your life. Like this could have been like it could have been a good marriage. Mm-hmm. It could have been a good relationship. It could have been a good life. I get the sense that they're not as like fabulously rich as they are in the movie. Or at least she isn't as fabulously rich oh, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of it. It's more, it seems like it's more humble. Yeah. In a certain still, way, they, yeah. they, they make concessions for each other's career. And because of that, they don't achieve the kinds of um, greatness in their careers that they do. But I, I don't think that, that the movie is trying to say like one is better than the other. Um, but it is trying to say that these are both paths. They're both possible. And happiness is available through both of them because if, if it had gone the other way, and like they looked in the mirror of what it would have been like to have been the movie star, to have been like the the owner of the of the nightclub. I feel like they would have had the same sort of nostalgic possibility, romantic possibility around it. I don't know. What do you think of that? Vito, what do you think of that? That is so interesting. No, go for it, Vito. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have much. Oh, okay. I, I, I just saw your face. No, I, I, I was I was doing that because I was massaging my shoulder. Oh. Um, no, I I've I've had interior dialogues with myself about a lot of this. Uh, I really does like like you cited Liz. It it really does come down to that that central question of in this movie that is set in a land of dreams that is very dreamlike in its execution. It ends in reality, and the reality is what we are all very very aware of. And what is seen on the outside, like when she goes to the coffee shop 
and they already have her coffees there. They don't want to charge her. And she says, no, I'll pay for it. The exact mirroring of the scene where the famous star came into her, that same coffee shop when she was working it. And she looked at that person and there's this expression of awe and wonder on her face. She has this, uh, this dream in her head about what that person's life is like. And so when you finally achieve that dream and it happens, you kind of, maybe you think that you won't have these problems. You won't have these issues. You won't remember your past life somehow. You'll be exercised of these past demons. And I, I don't think that's true. And in this land of dreams, sometimes you get your dream, but not really your dream. Hmm. You know, she gets to be an actress, which is what she always wanted, but she didn't end up with the man that she says she still loves. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's about what you both are saying about some of these concessions and some of these ideas. Um, this is just a very real, very emotional, uh, very raw work that is buried beneath a lot of layers of artifice and movie making magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you didn't have anything yeah. to say. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Pulled it out my uh, butt. <laughs> real quick, real quick. Yeah. Two things. Uh, one is with that scene, uh, there's one thing that I always keep coming back to, and I, I think. Well, some of us are saying that it's that the that last ending song is them really wanting that to happen and thinking of scenarios in which that could happen, and that's sort of true. But they're thinking of it in the most unrealistic fashion imaginable because the the way that scene starts out is instead of shoving her aside after he's been fired and he's already established as an angry dude. He instead goes up, grabs her, and kisses her, which is a surefire way for any male to either have a restraining order put on them. What do you do? I, 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 Jesse knows I, this from personal experience. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's. I don't. I, at least I'm not. I don't just want to speak for myself. I was not saying that at all. I think they're very clearly seeing what could have been, and they are moving back into their perspective worlds. And I don't think there's a feeling of of. I guess you could call it regret, more like melancholy about yeah. the, the the possible future. But I don't see there being an active desire to get that back. Yeah, and, I agree and, with you, Vito. And there's kind of like a when you look at his face, you almost wonder if it is going to be that that regret. Like I would have sacrificed everything for you when he's sitting at the piano, just like looking down and standing there, even after everyone is getting up and walking away. But I, I think that 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 glance that they have across the nightclub really is important because it is that, that nodding, that ex mutual acknowledgement. Yeah. Mutual acknowledgement. That's a good way of putting it, it. It's like when you see an ex that you're actually good with <laughs> and, and maybe things got, maybe things got kind of serious yeah. and, and you can't really talk, yeah. but you're just kind of like, hey. yeah, I kept thinking about that when, when Liz was talking earlier about how you're grateful for the relationship, what it, what it contributed to your life. And you can be grateful for that without it being the absolute person that you're meant to be with, um, or even the person that, that you are currently with. Um, so it's, it's acknowledged, acknowledging that there is, it exists in the middle, so to speak. You don't have to have either all or nothing, but there are things that build you as a person. What, what was your second thing, Jesse? My second thing was to Mike's point about whether or not to draw out this last scene. And oh, yeah. I, think, I think my answer to that would be that this is a musical and musicals by nature just <laughs> do this. They take <laughs> subtle emotions and they just run with it and make it a crazy song. 
I was so mad at that scene the first time I saw this movie. Because oh, yeah. I was like, oh, they're going to have such a nice ending. And, like, she ended up happy. <laughs> he got his club. And then they just stick this scene in there that ruins everything. And I was so mad. I was talking I don't to a know lot of... if I would argue if it, sh- it should be in there. I was talking to some of my coworkers. And there were some that were legitimately, they used the language, troubled by that last scene. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> you are really troubled by this last scene. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not laughing at them for having emotional consternation. I'm laughing at at the word troubled. Yeah, <laughs> troubled by the scene. I'm sorry they have emotional consternation. If you're listening to this and this this caused you any amount of emotional diarrhea, I'm really sorry. Uh, we're feeling that right too. To complaints at well, not your father's podcast. Yeah. I, so I mean, I, wait, wait, wait. I, just to. I, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a musical, yes. But then, like, it's also a musical made in 2016, right? And so the question is, like, everything that you're doing is both commenting on, riffing on, and possibly breaking from everything that came before. So you have the possibility of making a true musical that does a break. Like, that would be a cool way to end the movie, right? But I guess what I was thinking was that maybe the reason why he didn't do that why the movie doesn't break off from the traditional sort of musical script is because he is putting this here to give a message either of hope or of sorrow or uh, hope or despair i guess not hope or sorrow it's definitely sorrow there's sorrow in there it's nostalgia catharsis um yeah definitely there's sorrow in there yeah but sorrow, I, sorrow is such a fundamental part of even joy. It's such a part, fundamental part of all things that we experience. So I, I, I won't contrast it with that. I mean, hope or despair. And I think, I don't know, I, I took it as hope, what he's doing there. And that's why he chose to do it, because it's hopeful in the way that a musical, a classic musical is hopeful. Um, the fact that, like, yes, life could go any way and every way it goes, you can make it happy. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's so. So I guess I guess it was me kind of coming around to like I get it. I'm okay with it. I like it. I like it too. Bank I, it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> get out. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up for the the heart and the soul of this movie, and I think we're going to move on to our favorite scenes. Uh, Liz, do you want to stick around, or do you have somewhere to be? I'm good. I'm going to go finish my Netflix documentary. <laughs> no favorite scenes in this movie, right? <laughs> They're all my favorites, guys. Woo! Thank you so much Thank- for coming on and talking. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right, so doing favorite scenes, talking about things other than the the beating, bleeding heart at the center of this movie, the the musical part, the fun part. Uh, Chris, what's a fun musical part that you love? Yeah, so make me feel good. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna. Um, we were talking about this beforehand, and I'm not going to go with what I was initially going going to say, just because I feel like this scene needs needs its due. I really like the someone in the crowd scene. Mm, um, cool. And I the reason is it shakes me. It yeah. shakes me. I get shaky when I watch that. It's such a fun scene. That like the decision to be constantly drawn out into something that you know you kind of should be in but kind of not being surrounded by people who have your same goals and are and are 
kind of trying to boo you up in a certain in a certain way. I'm trying to see how they can use you beneficially. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you're going to write a, a role for us in, in your yes. play, right? Well, it's a one woman play. Um, <laughs> but the, just the way that it's it's choreographed in that uh, flitting between the parties, slowing it down partially through to make it clear that she is apart from this world that she yet really wants to enter. Even just the fun upbeat part at the beginning where they're walking down the side of the street in you know classic hollywood movie fashion yet it really is different because there's like oil scenes on the side of the road yeah, and yeah. which is i think a big part of this movie that juxtaposition of the glamour and the grime of los angeles oh, how yeah. that is just very much present present throughout we and keep seeing the freeway. You like we keep, keep seeing, seeing the, the freeway. freeway. The smog. <laughs> so much the, freeway. And yeah, they keep showing it further and further away because they're like, oh, it looks prettier the further you away, <laughs> the further you are away from it. Um, but I, I really thought it was fun. And when, when I had that on right before I came on here, my daughter was like putting on some bubble wrap, like a throw on her <laughs> shoulders and then just like throwing it off in an expansive way. I'm like, you know what? Like not bad. That's kind of what they're doing. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was just a fun, uh, wholesome, just peppy, peppy scene that really helps guide you into the movie and Mia's character in, in an introductory sort of way. It just makes me smile. Yeah. Dude, I, I felt like so, like it was weird that I felt this. I it was I felt weird feeling this, but when they started jumping in the pool at the yeah. end, like I just felt this exuberance. I was yeah. like, yes, they're jumping in the pool. It's very different from like the Bojack Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as he sinks slowly away from his life and all those who care about him into a sea of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it, man. it is. Yeah, I love the pool scene. And then I also love the scene when they're in the house. And then I just realized it watching it tonight that when they're filming it in the house, it's not it may be a set, but they're it's it's kind of not because they're actually going down hallways while they're filming this dance number and inside rooms. And that that's so weird to me. Normally when you think of musicals, you think of like you know, grand places for you to be at, not just a random house, granted a very good looking house and quirky house like they're living in. But like it, it, it's just so weird. It gives like a totally different feel than I've ever seen before, which is people getting ready to go to a party. And then the party itself is amazing as a musical. Ah, oh, I love it. I yeah, love like that. The, pic. the party is as, as orgiastic as, as anyone wanted a party to be. You know, every party that we ever got ready to go to, we wanted th that party to be this one, as amazing and cool, and it never was, but, like, you always I'm wanted sorry. it to be. I'm sorry, did you say orgiastic? I did indeed. Okay, I just, I just had to point that out. I could have said orgasmic. Would you have preferred or, that? Orgastic? Or nasty? <laughs> Agnostic. Huh? Agnostic. <laughs> Everyone wanted this party to be as agnostic as all the other parties we've gone to. But they all just kept like believing in God. And we were like, why? They kept believing in the party at least. Like we wanted to not know if it was a party. Is this a party? I think it'd be cooler if it was unclear. <laughs> um at least it's not for us to know if it's a party. It could be one. It could be one, but we don't know. Anyway, uh, but with that, that moment yeah. when, when uh, Chris is saying when she comes out of the, the back room and 
she sees everyone moving in slow motion in this yeah. beautiful uh, slow ballet. And then it, it just takes in everyone. And the music is so fleeting and small until the, the camera is able to sink into the pool. And then that guy just kick flips off that yeah. top balcony. Yeah. And the moment he hits that water and you, the camera follows him under. And when it pops back out, there's this explosion of light and sound and yeah. color as the camera just spins and spins and spins. And it feels, it kind of feels like when you drink too much champagne, you know, yeah. it feels like the best place you've ever been. And it feels like that city of dreams. That scene really made me want to drink color. champagne out of those fancy coops. It was Gatsby-esque. <laughs> <It was> Gatsby <laughs> what was your favorite one, Jesse? What, what, what orgiastic scene would you like to take for us? Uh, the the scene that made me feel most orgiastic, um, <laughs> leading into it. Yeah, so I want to know about this. what makes you feel orgiastic, dude. This is this is. I'm not cool with this word. It's gonna punch on this. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm gonna. Yeah, I gotta stop. What made you I gotta... feel most agnostic, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> what made you question your belief in divinity? <laughs> my favorite scene is <laughs> my favorite scene is just the opening scene. With the dancing on the freeways in LA, it is like you haven't seen any of the main characters yet, and I don't care. I don't care because I love the fact that somehow every every single person gets out of their car and they just start dancing along these streets. That, that freeway I hate. It's an awful freeway. Everybody's <laughs> stuck in traffic. You should be miserable. Instead, because of Hollywood magic, everybody wants to be happy so they get out of their cars and just start dancing on them and it lasts for a really long time and there are musicians in the back of a truck and the truck driver starts coming out and dancing with people and there's just hundreds of people on their cars dancing i've never ever wanted to be a part of a movie so bad nice. as when i as when i saw this scene i was like i would have sung and danced my ass off just to get into this this would have been amazing to choreograph, to be a part of. And it's all like maybe two shots. I, it's mostly just one shot, though, the entire time. I, I think it's I think it's at least two because there's that there's that moment when the camera goes up at the sky and then comes back. But it's still like a really impressive yeah. uh, uh, one or quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Um, I, it's gorgeous. I, it was yeah. funny. What I love about this song is that it seems like this this happy peppy way to start your movie with everyone talking about their dreams. But they're actually kind of like sad stories. Yeah. And they're mm -hmm. about dreams that will probably never happen, but everyone's just holding on for dear fucking life <laughs> to this idea that they have. Like um, the, the, first, get somewhere. the first woman that, that starts singing, you know, she talks about she left her childhood sweetheart at a bus stop and she mm -hmm. took it out here and things are kind of hard, mm -hmm. but she's just making it and just, just hoping mm -hmm. that every day is going to be a little bit better, you know? And, and everyone has this while everyone's singing and dancing. They're, they're all like, they're all high on their own supply of exuberance a little yeah. bit. And mm -hmm. I love that because that that does feel like the idea of Hollywood. Yeah, it feels like most of the people I've met who live in L.A. from other places. That's true. Yeah. Which is everyone who lives in L.A. Yeah. And even just the way that their cars, their, their cars are, you <laughs> think, oh, it's going to be uh, Teslas and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. It's like a whole bunch of old Dodge Stratuses. And it, it's this Why are there so many Dodge? Accords? Yeah, I know. It's, that's But you're scrimping and saving every penny to try to pursue that dream, right? And it's this hodgepodge of music, this hodgepodge of, of automobiles all on this freeway that's like a, a 
main character, the freeway is almost its own character within this movie. Yes. Uh, it's, and if you live in LA, yeah, it, is it really is. It really is. Person. You're just living on the 405 and yeah. the 101. It's just, it's like, it's that, going back to what Jesse's like, it's just that tapestry of uh, what it is to be in that city and pursue that dream. And it's like, yeah, I, I want to pursue a dream. I want to be single-minded and focused on what that is. That is my, my star in the sky, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I have sat on that interchange many times. Yeah. 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 Before this pandemic started, I spent most of my time stuck on different freeways in LA, trying to get to different places all over LA. It's a mess. Someone needs to do something. Elon Musk needs to do something. <laughs> That's awesome. What, uh, what's your favorite? Um, oh, yeah, my favorite. Um, I think my favorite scene is uh, the scene when they first uh, start dancing together. That's the, what? what is the song? The um, uh, it, it, a, lovely what a Waste night. of a Lovely Night. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I yeah. love, dude, that scene is just so great. They're like yeah. falling in love. And I love the way they're, they're dancing. Um, it's definitely like, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely, you know, capturing a lot of the, the vibes of old Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, old Hollywood musicals and, and a lot of Fred Astaire. Yeah. A lot of Fred Astaire. Yeah. And yet real people doing Fred Astaire. Like yeah. when you watch Gene Kelly in singing in the rain or Fred Astaire and anything, it's almost unattainable. And I like yeah. watching these actors who are amazing dancers and yet not. They're, they're like, they're, they're, pro- they're almost, they're almost professional. dancers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not great but it's really good. Yeah. And, and it makes sense for their characters too, because he's a musician, she's an actress. So they've been around music or they, they both know music. They both know movement um, in yeah. a way, but they're not yeah. professional dancers. Yeah. So, you know, they don't know how to dance as well as Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly. Um, but the way that they're dancing is really cool too. Like Ryan Gosling is, he's so like slidey mm-hmm. with all of, all of his dance moves because He's a jazz musician yeah. and she, and, and in a lot of ways, like the way he dances, he's like, I, I don't even know how to say it. It's like just a little bit off, off time from her. Like he's reacting to her, mm-hmm. what she's doing. And she's definitely kind of taking the lead in a lot of ways. She is kind of this exuberant flowing yellow dress. That's just moving and, 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 and light and motion. And he is kind of this dark, white streak that's sliding in and out but she you know star. beside her but it's it's always it's like what cool. you're saying it's always almost in conversation with her and yeah he allows her to take that lead yeah which is is what he allows her to do in their relationship and yeah it's what he ultimately almost resents her for yeah mm. yeah that's a really great point yeah i think that's really true i, I mean so like the the way the, the interplay between the two of them is, is really fun um there's definitely a lot of chemistry between uh between the actors you know, the way that, that they walk all the way up the, uh, he walks her all the way up the hill. And then like, he's like, Oh, my car is back that way. And then he walks back to, 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 to right outside the front door. Right outside <laughs> yeah, the front door. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I have done that. I have been that guy yeah. for sure. Also like, why couldn't he have said like, I'll walk you to your car. You know, like there's nothing wrong with saying that. No. Just want to Another example of, of him uh, giving her the lead. Yeah, it's like she even says, "Grab my keys." Yeah, it's the yeah. Prius. Which one? <laughs> Which one? <That> one. <laughs> yes. Which one? Um, what about you, Vito? I I think for me, you know, I it, that that specific pool shot is probably my my mm. it, it, my most film bro way of saying I like that moment of the movie the most. But mm. that moment when the camera when the guy hits the pool and goes down and comes back up is beautiful. Yeah. It, it it 
it, when I was in the theater, I could feel my heart pounding at that. Awesome. I was so ready to receive that. Uh, but I really think that going back now and we don't have, we have a lot of time with Sebastian. We kind of get to know him as a little bit of, of a loser almost. He's a little bit out of step with his current time on purpose. Yeah. What does he say to his sister? I'm a phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> that belligerent, like, I'm going to do this, I think. And then she leaves and he's like, I'm going to get the locks changed. He goes, you can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think my favorite scene is the is the City of Stars scene. That one, it... The initial one? When he's on when the, he's on the, pe- oh, on yeah, the pier. Yeah. yeah, that one is really striking to me because it's um it's a moment where it, it takes Sebastian and in classic mu- musical format, he lays out the subtext as text, mm. right? He says exactly what's on his mind and what he's thinking. Cause he's not only considering this relationship with Mia, oh, he's also yeah. considering his greater ambitions, his greater desires. Mm. And the two of them are kind of married to each other in the way he speaks about him in the song. He's, he's scared of both. He loves both. He wants both and doesn't know if he's going to have to sacrifice one for the other. And the little dance that he does with the elderly couple on there. And the elder and the man steps really, in yeah, and, so and, and takes his wife back and, and he he leaves and walks away. It's it's a haunting, beautiful scene. Yeah. That's it's weird in the movie when you look at it because it has no bearing on the previous scene hmm. and no bearing on the scene after it. It's like its own like two and a half minutes yeah. all by itself on this gorgeous twilight. I think it's in Santa Monica. Yeah, it was um, it Formosa was Beach Pier. Oh, Thank you. Not, Sa- not Santa Monica Pier. Because they wouldn't have like all sorts I, of trash. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's, yeah. A trash. So, so Hermosa Beach Pier. Hermosa Beach Pier. The reason why I know that is because I see that mo- that that pier in all sorts of movies. And I'm like, I've never been to that pier. I mm. don't know where it is. It's not Santa Monica. It's not Long Beach. You're like, where is it? So I looked it up. It's Hermosa Beach. Thank you, dude. I actually yeah. really appreciate it. I might go there sometime. Yeah. But the trip. way that the colors specifically that they're able to capture in the sky at this perfect moment and the low lights. Yeah, it's it's everything about this movie for me. And it's everything about the way that this movie relates to Hollywood. I think that mm. this specific scene really leads into what we have been talking about in this series, you know? It's everything. It's it's a city of stars. It's a place where dreams are broken. It's a place where people are broken. It's a place where people can achieve everything they wanted to. You know, in our in our past uh, past film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and and Sunset Boulevard, they each strike a different kind of tone. I think we remember talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as being a lot more positive in its portrayal of Hollywood, mm-hmm. and then obviously Sunset Boulevard is a is a very sharp scalpel. That oh, is yeah. seeking the jugular of Hollywood and wants to drain it dry. <laughs> Super negative. Uh, but here we have something that, while on the surface, seems incredibly positive, incredibly about this city of, of stars. It's it's not, actually. It's, it's almost like a warning. You know, this is going to cost you something. Anyway, what, what, what do you guys think? I see you, Jesse. Okay. Uh, it's sort of a warning. Uh, it's somewhere in between. I think it's captured beautifully in that song that Mia sings near the end when she gets her big break and is going in for the callback, right? And I think the refrain for the song is uh, and here's to the fools who dream crazy as they may seem here's to the hearts that break here's to the mess we make Um, I think um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is more to the fools who dream right? That's definitely just like a bunch of fools living in Hollywood. It's, and it's, also, it's also like, literally a movie. 
It's literally a movie made by a fool who dreams. That's literally yeah. what it is, right? <laughs> and that, yeah. And then the mess that we make, that's, that's basically Sunset Boulevard, right? That is just Hollywood. They've made this crazy mess. They can't clean it up. And no one knows how to fix it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll leave those things over there to rot. And there's this movie, which is that weird jazz synergy of, of building these bunch of crazy people who have these dreams, who build up these incredible structures and sequences and then and then they fall and are left and then you keep on going to make the new one in fact that's why i also think john legend might be right when he starts saying that jazz is about moving moving forward even though that's not right for seb i think i think in general that's what's right about about jazz and about hollywood and about this movie it's not about just like staying in the past letting things rot it's about moving forward and taking the things that you've learned before and making new things just like la la land is because yeah hollywood is la la land it's a land of dreams it's a land where things have gone horribly wrong and you pick up the pieces and you make something bigger and better what do you think mike i like that i think you, you put it really well i agree it's not it's not really on one side or the other it's kind of both that uh yeah it can be horrible and it can also be amazing I, I do think it sides more on the hopeful side than the despairing side. I'm thinking of Sunset Boulevard as truly despairing. And I think that this is, it's saying, sure, like you're going to have to, to achieve your dreams, you might have to make sacrifice, but uh, that doesn't mean that it's bad. Like sacrifice isn't bad. I think that that's what it's saying. Whereas like, yeah. Sunset Boulevard is like sacrifice is hor- well. I don't know everything uh, about this place is it's just totally bad. corrupt. Everything is bad. Like everything, yeah. it's it's yeah. dying, um, and it should die. Just like and, this house that this that this aging silent yeah. film star lives in. Everything yeah. is falling. What what does Tyler Durden say? <laughs> everything is falling apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, this is like well, you know, there's you got to work. You got to. It's it's hard, but there's so much possibility and there's so much hope. What do you, what what do you think, you? Chris, before I, I, I come back? Yeah, that um, that's along the lines of, of the way that I was putting into context. I, I like the way that Mike and Jesse are talking about it because of the way that it's bringing to light the realism that exists in, in our own lives and seeing that play out in something that is can be put up as a city on a hill and this this shining la-la land where everything is shining and gleaming and glamorous and glitzy, um, and yet showing that there is some grime, there is some some rust on this behemoth, and not not just a little bit of rust, but it's it's just that um that classic parable of so you don't always get absolutely everything you ever wanted. There are choices that are made. And that's almost the empowering aspect of Hollywood to put it in a, in a positive way. If you are committed, if you take your chances, you can choose. Do you want the romantic relationship that is, that is fiery and, and spectacular, or do you want the success that then leads to a, a very solid grinding rise to the top where you are not even just a one woman show, but you are on billboards that your ex is walking past on the construction (laughs) site. Right. So it's, it's really that, that idea of choice and that there's no matter how, 
glitzy and glammy a fairy tale may seem, there is a struggle at some point. Um, and sometimes that struggle goes untold and stays beneath the surface. And I, I liked the way that this, that this movie and story in more general terms brought that to light. I think that we can all say though, that we, we really love this. And Jesse, you know, is this a dad movie? Oh, this is, it, is this a dad movie? Is it, yeah. is it? Is it? <laughs> oh yeah. I dadded real hard for this movie. Um, Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> what verb are you replacing? <laughs> you dad you know, hard for the orgiastic, I... orgiastic movie here. Let's exactly. just cut this whole bit out. <laughs> All right. So this is a dad movie because because first off, like uh, you know, for dad movies, I think we also look into like the character of men and. Ryan Reynolds is wait, it's not Ryan Reynolds. Ryan <laughs> Gosling, <laughs> Little Goose, one of the Ryans. Um, yeah, so Gosling, he's like, ah, dude, he's kind of an angry jerk at at the beginning. Becomes a much better ba- man at the end, uh, to the point where he drives to Nevada, brings her back, and he pulls the absolute dad move in the car with the honking at her house, and um. At the end, he can accept the fact that that he's in love with this woman, but doesn't have to be with her, and but will still sacrifice his own goods for her. And that's kind of an ultimate dad move. And and beyond the fact that I really want to show this to my children because of the electrifying dance sequences and the story about a relationship and how much commentary it has, I I have to say this is a dad movie, absolutely. I, I agree with you, Jesse. I, I uh, yeah, dude, just the fact that it's like about LA freeways, so many of my conversations with my wife kind of devolve into, oh, you know, I was going down the 101 and jumped onto the 105 when I was going over to see whoever at the down in Santa Fe Springs or whatever it is. Like, yes, it's a dad movie. That's uh, an intrinsic part of my children's life. Um, talking about freeways with the in front of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> proudly. Proudly. Oh, proudly. How, very proud. How else are you going to know that you're not talking about just a number? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was driving down 405. What? Yes. Yeah. 405. Yeah. What? Like you, you were driving down 405 uh, dead miles horses? an hour. Yeah, That's not safe. <laughs> like none of this makes any sense. The 405 makes a lot of sense. The 405, um, and then the implied freeway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you case. know, traffic is uh, also a big part of my children's life already so you know from the very beginning of this movie um it's uh, it's about things that are in- incredibly important to my family um, <laughs> traffic and freeways <laughs> and then you know the end um is all about copyright infringement i think he took he <laughs> took he took her logo and I think it's really important to teach my children about copyright infringement early. Um, so that also, look, dancing is cool. So that look, Mike, across the 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 bar is, or across the room is, I'll see you in court. Yep, that's yeah. I'll see you in court. Yeah, yeah. She said she said that, and he said, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> no, but it, but but in all seriousness, I, I think it's a dad movie. Um, it's like like Jesse said, the relationship um, is it's really it's a really cool look at a failed relationship. Um, and, uh, it's such an awesome glimpse at, at, at friendship, despite the failed relationship, 
um, at support, at about at you know sticking to your guns, sticking to your dreams, and trying to achieve you know what you what you're looking for. So yeah, dad movie over here in my corner. Love it. So I think yes. My first reason is twofold. What 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 is one thing that dads do? They give explanations on very niche things yeah. that they're like, this is my, this is my groove. This is where I fit in. I'm going to tell you the entire history of this thing and why it's exciting, why this fits into this, why so-and-so sat on this stool. And Don't, sit on the stool. That's- Don't sit on the stool. Don't sit on the stool. Dude, Hoagie Carmichael sat there. <laughs> like, I need to get you a throw rug. <laughs> what is it? Oh, that's such a good find. Like, Miles my- Davis peeing on it. Like, yeah, like, that's almost disrespectful. Did he? Did he? Did he, did he really? <laughs> is it true? <laughs> um, awesome. But but that, how he's, he's really just tr- trying to pass on something that he loves to somebody that he cares about. And is ultimately successful. And I I think it's kind of a fun point that I'm making. But I also think that it's poignant that she says, like, I like jazz because of you. Don't we want our children to to like things because of us at the end of the day? Like, that's I think that's awesome. And the way that he's just sitting there in the jazz bar with her when they're first hanging out and uh, is just regaling her with tails and she's just kind of sitting there nodding and i, I think that we've all been there like yeah. vintage oh, yeah. dad and then my, to, my wife was there like like you know two hours ago yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dad slash husband movie <laughs> and then that the the more heartwarming aspect of when he is really going out to drive to nevada to pick her up just having that willingness to to see her true good and make her see it and not sell herself short just yelling out what and embarrassing her we can agree that we're going to embarrass our kids one one way or another in a way that is actually just so so wholesome no like what what are you doing like snapping you out of it and then at the end saying when she is questioning her worth what if i'm not good enough it's like it's a it's a really interesting scene to see actually written out because it's like four times, five times she says, "What if I'm what if I'm not good enough?" Every single time he answers, "You are, you are, you are." That's like the wholesome dad. Every single time, however many times you need to be picked up, I'm going to be there to pick you up because I'm your dad. It's beautiful. That's cool. I also hear that in like a jazz sort of thing, like like the trumpet, like talking to the to the drums, like you are, you are, you are, you are, like hitting the cymbals, you know. And then they go back, and they go yeah. back, yeah. and they create something new and amazing. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. I think that uh, that that kind of sums us up here. Uh, this is a dad movie. We all agree, it's unanimous. And uh, yeah, you know, I just want to thank you, Chris. Thank you for coming on. I I, uh, I just want to especially give you a thank you because we approached you about this episode. I approached you about this episode uh, quite a while ago. And I appreciate your patience. <laughs> it was good. I was excited for it every single time. <laughs> One of my friends was like, did you ever go on that podcast? And I was like, funny enough actually you texted me that night and i was like hey. <laughs> it was what are the odds but so yeah. so you were asked like really long ago to be on and so you've been prepared for months and then Vito Vito asked you like two nights ago right yes <laughs> <laughs> friday works but i didn't have any time to get in my head so thank you guys this was really fun you guys are awesome and i've known you all for a while but it's really nice to get back and 
collab on something. So I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Happy to. Yeah, have thanks it. for coming on. And uh, I, this can't be the only time you're going to be on. Oh, well, twist my arm. I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. It'll uh, force me to watch more movies because I am really, at the end of the day, so happy I watched this movie. Thanks. And I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Or I would have watched it on a plane. Well, our next movie is going to be Silence by Martin Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. Uh, well, I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> but uh, for all of us here at Not Your Father's Movies, thank you so much for listening. Have a good night.